Howdy folks and welcome to the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast detailing some of our insights and opinions into the industry of gaming. I'm Pear and with me as always I got my two co-hosts Lex. Hello. And Dez. Hello, hello. So today we are going to be starting off our discussion with Lex actually today. And so what we've decided is that each week one of us is going to take turns just discussing uh, a quandary, a feature, something interesting that we have found in the world of gaming, our, our esoteric take on the world of gaming, if you will. If you will. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to now pass the, mo- mic, the proverbial mic over to Lex, and uh, he's going to take us down, down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Yeah, this is a chance to talk about a particular type of game that is a little bit popular. I think I think it's been talked about, but it's not something I've seen implemented very often. But it's a game that I think if you haven't played is worth trying. It's a little bit older. It's a few years old. It's a game called Cultist Simulator. And there is a newer game called Stacklands, which someone described as a simpler version of Cultist Simulator, which I think is accurate. Uh, they're obviously very different styles, but they borrow a very common mechanic, and that is they take the concept of a card game, a game driven by cards, but do something entirely different with it. Uh, I would say the biggest thing is the games, both games start with a table. So you're at a virtual table. In fact, sure. the Cult of Simulator literally looks like you're sitting at a table. And what they is it a single? To do, sorry to interrupt. Is this a single, single player, player game? game. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so you sit at a table and you start Generally, there's an, there's an opening. Uh, Cult of Simulator has multiple possible openings, depending on how your last game completed. And you essentially start with a set of cards. And by itself, it doesn't sound that interesting. It's like, oh, i got a set of cards. But they're not in your hand. They're sitting on the table. And the game has sort of one non-card mechanic, which is that there is generally a timer, something that will happen. In Cult of Simulator, for example, uh, you're starving if you don't eat. Right. And so you have to you have to feed yourself and feed yourself requires funds. Funds requires you to do certain things. Stacklands, which is somewhat similar. You have to eat every single day. Your people die. It's a very direct kind of mechanic. What drives both games, and this is where they're very similar, is that the game does not actually start with giving you a whole lot of information about what you're supposed to do or how the game works without spoiling a whole lot of it. Uh, you use the cards in various ways and what card does what there's some clues you can get. Stack Lens lets you actually buy a thing that says do this and you get this. It's pretty direct. Whereas in Cult of Simulator, you kind of have to work it out. And so there's a mystery to even how to win the game. And I'm guessing I... you've you've played both? Like you've played Stack Lens yeah. and Cultist? Okay. Yes. And Which one do you, would you say is like better or are they kind okay. of like unique in their own in their own facets? So Stack Lens is much more approachable. I will say Cultist Simulator is a legitimate classic. Okay. In the sense that it's the first game I've ever seen that's ever implemented this. It's a very, very moody game. It it has a gothic horror theme going with the whole thing of being in a cult. Like you start a cult, it's the whole gimmick of it. And you know, the basic start, you start with a crappy job with the boss who's basically forcing you to work overtime and all kinds of crappy stuff. And there are things you can do to get out of that. And you can choose to just stay at work. In fact, there is an ending where you just get as powerful in the company as you can. And it's, it's considered like a lesser ending where you didn't actually achieve your goal, but you did something and that's what your ending is. But you have things where you create, as you do these mysterious things, you'll create threats, essentially uh, terrible things that can happen. And the most basic is you get injured and you die. Uh, you can go insane. 
you can get caught by the police. Like there's a number of fundamental ways to fail. Plus there's certain ways you can be attacked. It's a very dark game. Uh, some of the lowest level characters, for example, are just the pawns. You know, just throw, you just throw them to the wolves and essentially so all you do. It's okay. You do you, and you have to figure all this out just by, by like using trying to make random moves yeah. and yeah, say, does this work? It's a little bit of a randomness. I actually keep, I kept a multiple pages of notes once I eventually figured out like all the things like one place you can go to a dreamlands and you got to figure out what the, how to even get to the dreamlands is a secret. And what you do once you're there is a secret and what the things happen and everything is done through exploration. And generally you're going to lose the first time you're going to get caught by the police or you're going to get injured or something bad's going to happen or your people are going to get killed. Like there's a whole bunch of bad things that can happen. It's a very dark game and uh stack lands. You generally just, die because you just can't keep your people fed fast enough and eventually you just die because or you get beat up in a fight like there's several ways to fail uh, i'd say Stacklands is a lot harder to fail in general but cultist simulator is a lot of ways to fail of course there are wikis and things if you want to know all the answers but the real fun to the game is, is figuring it out and it uses a very simple mechanic as the, as the game goes on you get more and more cards until you have this giant table filled with things and for example your stats are kept in cards so your amount of health is how many of a particular card you have. And that card can mm. be used for various things. So like if you want to go work, you can use your strength in a day job and use up some of your strength. If uh, you're get a professor, you can use your reason, for example. And then if you, you're vulnerable to certain things, like the all the horrible things, it's got that you know Cthulhu type feel of you're seeing terrifying things and of course, the humor is, is if you eventually you can figure out, for example, that you can use the darkness to make more money because there's some people out there that will pay you to show them the darkness. Right. And you find <laughs> location like it's a, it's very thematic part of the game. That's great. And, and there's multiple wins. There's, there's sort of the standard win conditions. There's a number of secondary win conditions. The DLCs have added some other ones. But it's a game worth trying if, if you've never played a game of this type. It uses cards in a very imaginative way. You know, cards are, have been in games for a long time. But in a card game, the thing you can do on a computer is the card can be animated. It can take yeah. actions. It can do things. So it right. uses the capacity of the computer to take what's essentially a standard setup of cards and a table and turn it into a story. And it's got an interesting story. There's a lot of things going on and you discover them as you go. It's a lot of wonderful little descriptions, some of them mysterious. I, I would really say that you know, it, it, it's not in the Cthulhu mythos, but it's definitely got a little bit of that flavor of exploring a dark pattern of the world and figuring out what you're doing. So I think it's a, it's a very interesting game. Stacklands is more like just do stuff on an island. So it uses the same basic mechanics. It, it's more like get your village and, and figure out how to do things in your village game. Both of them use a very similar mechanic, though, which is why I consider them sort of two games that are borrowing from the same feature, which is I wanted to talk about. And so that's a, that's my little intro to a, something you should try. Um, if you don't want to try anything, that out. Really, yeah, if you don't want anything really deep, Stacklands is simple. I've looked at Stacklands. It looks like yeah. fun. Stacklands is a very simple game. You, you won't be playing it for endless hours. Yeah. Volta but... Simulator is much more complex and, and layered, but they're both really good. Yeah, no, it definitely looks like fun. No, that looks awesome, dude. Thanks for bringing that up. And let me ask you this uh, final question before we hop into our main topics for the evening. Like, did it sort of bring about this new genre of 
card-based video games to some degree. Like, obviously, there's been card battlers, but, like, almost a card-based simulation game. Let's go that direction. So, so my my sense of it is that Cultist Simulator may be the first of its genre. Okay. Stacklands is clearly borrowing the ideas. Sure. And I mean, that, there's nothing Simulator. wrong with that. I mean, which which is good. You take something that <laughs> it's worked, an idea I, as old as time, right? <laughs> yeah. But I actually think that Cultist Simulator, somebody might have some older game that mimics it. There's that's that's inevitable that some earlier idea inspired it. But this one does look to be the first game that ever really does this type of gaming. It's a it's a wonderful example of how indie gaming is doing a lot of the innovative things that you're just not seeing in AAA. And you know, it's, yeah. it's it's it doesn't require enormous amount of graphics. It doesn't require whole teams. It's really well suited to someone <laughs> with a simple idea that implements it and makes it interesting. I'm, I'm reading some of the reviews of Stackland right now. <laughs> One of the reviews <laughs> in big caps letters: "Warning: This game is highly immersive. Be sure to check your time every now and then." <laughs> I'm like, it's like what? <laughs> Well, part, part of the reason it's that way is the game's on a perpetual timer. The whole time you're playing, it, oh, okay. Now you you can hit you can hit pause and stop the timer, but it's like in in um, Cult of Simulator, every minute or two something happens. It's a constant thing, and so you could pause the game and you know deal with it, but there's always something going on. Yeah, and so you're you get immersed in it and you just feeling that constant timer the irony is the the timer you're feeling is the most human of all timers i've got to have money and food or i will starve like this is humanity in a, in a simple little microcosm it's like what are we doing we're trying to get up today and have enough to eat tomorrow right it, that's like the, the saddest way of looking at life but it's the simplest in some ways that's the spence <laughs> but well, there's more to life than that, which is, but once you get to a certain point where you can do more than just survive, that's when you really get the game going. But yeah. Oh, so, that's yeah. awesome, dude. Well, that we, is. I, I would definitely have to check that out. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, tonight, uh, I actually didn't, <laughs> we just like, we just jumped right in. I was like, yeah, let's just get Lex on board and, and make this happen. We didn't even talk about our agenda for the evening. So I'm sure our listeners are waiting with bated breath being like, what are they actually chatting? Well, you can probably see from the title, but I mean, um, yeah. So what we're going to be chatting about tonight is, uh, for those that don't know, Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft. I don't know how you say it. Ubisoft. It's, hey, you're closer than wherever you were on hey, Beth's Sage. Shut up. <laughs> I've always heard Ubisoft or Ubisoft. I'm yeah. I'm not sure if either yeah. of those is actually correct. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, so what's been happening is uh, Ubisoft's uh, CEO tells the staff that the ball is in their court to turn the company around. Tune in next time. (laughs) No, but it really is that idea of like, you know, we're dealing with an interesting company here whereby uh, they're fairly successful uh, in terms of AAA titles go and, and developers go. And yet the CEO is like, do better. It's like that father will just never be happy. Um, Yeah. With no matter what you do, and then finally the uh, the main course for this evening is going to be the day before. <laughs> no more words said. We we know what we're chatting about there, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So let's let's jump into Ubisoft and talk a little bit about that. So um, I think I'll, I'll get the conversation started off with sort of my initial thoughts. Um, 
Ubisoft, like I kind of said at the very beginning of the introduction, it is a fairly successful company. Why don't don't we set up the full story? Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. So essentially speaking, um, Ubisoft, uh, there was an email seen by Kotaku, and essentially it was saying, the, the CEO of Ubisoft was saying, the ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time at the expected levels of quality. And there's just been delay after delay after delay, and it's been causing a strain on their revenues, right? Which, I mean, to any CEO, that is a big concern. But in the same stretch, it's like they are doing a lot. Like, I feel like there's a lot of lot of moving parts. And, like, the thing is, is I can't even probably, if we brought up a list of all the Ubisoft um own studios that are out there there's probably quite a bit there's probably quite a like a laundry list of studios and not even that's not even oh, yeah. counting their their sub studios that aren't even owned by ubisoft buyer but are contracted to be kind of merc- developer mercenaries on top of that so they're dealing with like so many ips and i just want to list off some of the ips that we're dealing with here um so they got like the anno franchise so that's like anno uh, 1800 202005 2070 so these are the city simulation games um obviously what they're well known for is the assassin's creed series and i mean they they got they got a laundry list of that far cry for honor ghost recon um some of the more uncommon games that one game in particular i don't know how well it's doing necessarily but riders republic it's it's one of the newer uh bmx slash racing games uh but then you got games like rainbow six siege which has been fantastic and then we chatted about the division and then you have like watchdogs and stuff like that and so one of the more recent games that has actually experienced like a a big big delay um and i mean it's just seen delay after delay after delay after delay was um it's a new pirate sailing game called skull and bones um are you guys familiar are either of you guys familiar with Skull and Bones? Not no. super familiar. I just read about it, and I'm trying to find the number. It's been delayed for a very long time. Very, very long time. <laughs> very, very long time. Yeah, no, it's it has been delayed. It's probably one of those, you know, we talk about development hell. Um, it really is. So, like, it began development in 2013, um, and it was kind of envisioned as, like, sort of a it was sort of like the spiritual successor. Let's go that direction to the success of Assassin's Creed four, uh, four. Yeah. Four, which was black flag and black flag was that like pirate. And it was super popular. Like black flag. If you were to ask any Assassin's Creed fan, what has been like the best Assassin's Creed game? Uh, many people would say black flag is being the definitive success. Right. And so it was sort of kind of revealed, get this, it was revealed in 2017. So 2017 is when this game was revealed. And it really was that they were like, okay, we are going to be publishing this game and it's going to come out around 2018. And then it was like 2019 <laughs> and then 2021 <laughs> and then 2022. What, what year is it? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. And so now though, what's crazy is here's the wild bit about this whole shebang. What what really is very fascinating. And I know this isn't a skull and bones talk, but what's fascinating to me is just sort of the, I don't know, in my opinion, that the, the lack of comprehension by the dev developer team in terms of what the fans were clamoring for. So what happened was they did this, um, they did show off like a lot of gameplay. Of the, of the game but here's the thing 
a lot, like so you could be a pirate right so you 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 go on to taverns and towns and trade and you know you do your pirate thing but a, a game that did this really good was assassin's creed odyssey i really enjoyed that game because you were able to board other ships as like as the assassin and like fight the fight the other ships people right and it was a great game right. like in that concept and so people were like oh they're gonna do that here no it's very much like you can you can like I don't even think there's like a boarding thing, but like you like fight, but you don't fight as a per like as your person. You fight as the ship, and so people were like, "Well, can't you go and board?" Like, I guess there is no boarding mechanic or whatever to this mm. game. Which I'm like, how do you miss that? <laughs> like, it's a pirate game. This is like half the fun <laughs> is is boarding the other ship, right? So, um, yeah, sounds like a miss there. I- I mean, this sounds like to me, um, well, I, 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 this, all, all these delays and all this complication sounds like a leadership problem to me. Just, you know, at first blush, I, I don't know if that's true, but that's what it sounds like. Well, and there's, they have a bigger problem. So I went and I looked at their, uh, their reported earnings for last year. And I think I get some sense of the issue. Here's a here's a really interesting number that I would point out, and these are these are in millions of francs, so understand that, which is close <laughs> to a dollar. But they, their year over year, they went from let me see, what is their R R and D expenses went from two hundred and seventy six million to four hundred and fifty two million year over year. What year is that though? About twenty two to two thousand twenty two to twenty three H one. Yeah, I. I'm not exactly sure what age one means. Obviously, this is you know, French, but <laughs> uh, and they do show, of course, this is you know book book re- profits are a little goofy, but they show a fairly substantial uh, loss if their operating income was quite a bit higher than their sales. Hmm. They also had lo- they also had lower sales year over year during this quarter. So there's there's things that I would be worried about, and if you see some of the phrasing in it, there, there's a word that you should always tell you a lot whenever you see any discussion of any corporate thing. This is a statement, continuing to transform the organization towards more efficiency and stability for long-term value creation. So I'm going to translate that into English. We're going to cut costs. There's literally almost no other real meaning to that, right? Transform the organization means we're going to fire people or do some change because we don't like what's going on. Major reorg of some kind. Right. More efficiency almost always means we don't like how much we're spending, so we're going to improve things. And stability for long-term value creation means very little, frankly. Uh, I'm sure it has some meaning to somebody. But what they're really talking about, like a sizable cost optimization program to simplify our organization and maximize synergies across the company. That's some. That means translation reorging. We don't like how much we're spending. Ooh. But even energy, yeah, but but yeah, exactly. The term (laughs) means nothing. Uh, The the important part, the important part of there is simplify our organization, which is corporate speak for fire people. Uh, Put even more focus on fewer and bigger opportunities is evidenced by the decision to stop development. So they're saying we canceled some developments to make more money, right? It's it's objective is to stabilize headcount to the level of twenty one. 22 that sounds like that reduced structure cost growths like all this is just we don't like how much we're spending and yeah they talk a little bit they actually do discuss and you should just put that down be like we just don't like how much we're spending well that's (laughs) what you should do right you got to remember 90 
these things could be translated. Like, I would love to get an AI, like a chat GPT, to just take this stuff and translate it down to its actual meaning. <laughs> like, this, like, the actual meaning of this document could probably be translated down to three or four sentences. But one, of the, but one of the things that they do talk about is that they're continuing to grow their uh, relationship with Tencent, which does raise the long-term question, of course, of buyout, right? Uh, they're basically, for example, there are restructured so that Tencent could increase direct shareholding possibility up to 10%, 9.99%, which is probably some legal barrier before you got to do something, right? And a minority investment in their company, their holding company. So clearly their concern on that side, which I think speaks very differently than whatever they're talking about the product line. They're not happy with their expenses, clearly. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because... Uh, sorry, and that, that their product line is just my opinion, like in the sense that they have some very successful IPs behind them. But let's go this direction with them. They do have very successful IPs. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was fairly good, I would say. Uh, it, it, I, I played it briefly. I didn't play it a whole lot, but it was, it was good from what I saw and experience. But here, let's go this direction. All their IPs are weathered. Like they they yeah. don't like these IPs have been around for a time. Like they like, even they even note this on the report. They talk about how oh. they're back. How they're <laughs> I didn't back read this. Catalog. I didn't read this report. And, so they're benefiting from much stronger revenues from our back catalog. Yeah, well, right, their so, back catalog and, and, is their forward catalog. Like they don't. Have, they are not like. The last game they popped out, let's go that direction, is, I mean, these new, like, division, what have you nots, but, I mean, the last, like, big, big game they popped out was Assassin's Creed Valhalla, or I, I believe, I, maybe Anno 1800 was yeah, the most recent one, but... The two, they, they specifically mention in their report Rainbow Six Siege and Assassin's Creed as their big performers. Yeah, and that's fairly and truthful. Here's yeah. the thing. Let's just point out real quick that th there's not really any company out there who cares about spending money if they, as long as they are making a lot more than they are spending. And it seems like that's what's fallen off is actually the income. They're they're really high risk because they have these this old portfolio of IPs, and they're dependent on those two big performers. Yeah. Have I mean, you ever you know, heard Mark Hamill talk about that? Like he's talking it's a little condescending but i think he means it well or he's like talking about star wars it's like nobody in the industry cares if it's good they care if it makes money yep it's like true though yeah and and it, yeah so i i think frankly the ceo is basically worried about things like takeovers and expenses like i think those things are on his mind well and it's funny I mean, because since he, our oh sorry i I was just going to say, since our conversation um, around the 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 Microsoft merger or Microsoft purchasing, whatever I just blanked on, uh, Activision. Activision, Activision, thank Activision you, Blizzard. Oh, man. Yep, no worries, dude. Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so since that conversation, I looked down. It's been the a long. It's Ubisoft. been a long day. In case those that are <laughs> listening been a long didn't know, day. Des is. We've had to reschedule this for Saturday. Des has had uh, quite a. He's had a quite, quite a, a work, quite a yeah. work ordeal. <laughs> um, so, but uh, all I was going to say is that Ubisoft and the several of the other companies are much further down that tail as far as company size and ripe for acquisition, particularly somebody looking to acquire long running, well-known IPs yep. that they want to add to their portfolio. 
Yeah, I, I Ubisoft's still, not really in a great position to avoid acquisition here. His email was still, I think, poorly phrased. Mm. But here's for the sure, thing. for sure. Well, here's here's the thing that's really sad about it. The, he probably made the mistake of speaking his mind, right? Like, yeah. said said the quiet part out loud, as they say sometimes, right? Where it's like, we've got a problem, folks. You've got to fix it. That's not something your staff wants to hear, but frankly, sometimes it's probably more honest than the other stuff you're telling them. He's not the engineer setting down, pumping out the code. Yeah. Yeah. But see, here's the thing, though, is that a lot of times, if you have something that is delayed that long, since 2017, like that's that's a long time. That is a management issue. That is a project management issue. That's not people writing code. Yeah, nine times out of ten, yeah. that's you set you set a goal for a five year project and gave a one year timeline. Right. Well, and the wacky thing and, too about the whole shebang is the fact that they're missing out on like some of the core competencies of like like if you were to ask me how to make how to make a pirate game, right? Step one, you have a pirate that boards ships, operates cannons, and operates the ship. Steals steals gold. Yeah. And buries treasure. You're missing a component there. Like if you're missing in the Venn diagram of a pirate game, you're missing one of the circles, which well, is boarding we, the ship. Th- this is a whole another topic, but there's been a push in the entertainment industry and there's a lot of conspiracy theory nonsense around. I won't go into all of it. But the industry has been trying to figure out what to do about its image around darker themes. And like you see a lot of reduction of gun violence in movies and things like it's a thing. And so it's always kind of amusing me that companies that complain about piracy make pirate games. First of all, I said, that's hilarious. (laughs) But, (laughs) but the, the whole theme of pirates is, is I don't know if that plays into it, but it is one of those things where, you know, Disney fi a little bit of the, of the content is, is a, sometimes a mandate for growth. I don't know if that's the case here, but you know, it, I, I seriously doubt it's a quality of developers. I mean, I, I, I doubt it. No. Yeah, I don't think this is about the development teams. Um, it's probably about corporate politics, budgets, timelines, plans. Exactly, the, and it's a lot of middle management. Yeah. A lot of, and and that's I think I think that's the reason that this is tone deaf from the CEO is more that this has to do with well, he's actually one of the primary people in the position to be able to make the changes well, needed to fix you know, this. That's common at that level though. But there's a but there's a difference between like you know the what's go the messaging at the high levels. Like yeah. it, it's a challenge in my job and I work with very, very good people. Once you get to a high enough level, it's always interesting going into like a really high VP meeting and realizing that the thing I'm thinking about is not at all the thing that they're thinking about. Yep. And the problems that I'm dealing with have never even been, they've not even been exposed to that, right? So it's, it, it is a challenge, particularly in large organizations, for the CEO to necessarily understand how to communicate to the staff. This was clearly a failure, um, yeah. probably well, just... And here's the thing about uh, what happened further, like afterwards. So there was like backlash, right? There was backlash to this, obviously, to this tone-deaf message they sent. So here's his response. So he actually did a response to this. And this is what he wrote. He said, and I quote the CEO here, I heard from your, like, this is like that apology that really is an apology. He said, right. <laughs> I, heard, I heard from your feedback, and I'm sorry that this was perceived that way. 
Like that's yeah. just very much like a. Yeah. I'm sorry you guys thought this way. That's not what I meant. And actually, you said when I said the ball is in your court to, court to deliver on our lineup in time at the expected level of quality. I want to convey the idea that more than ever, I need your talent and energy to make that happen. Uh, and then the quote goes further, but I won't. I won't continue. I, so I will admit it's the rare. If you want to get my respect as a manager, walk into a room and admit a mistake. Just admit it. Own a mistake. Yep. You're allowed to make them. I make them all Even the if time. it was but, but I would argue like, that this isn't mistakes. like... And yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Lex. You're not saying that he is, right? Because like, I don't think this... I don't remember the website or something, but somebody had a guide on like a proper apology. And you begin with owning up to the mistake. Like That's the first yeah. thing you do. I made this error you be specific you don't be vague because otherwise people don't know if you're even apologizing thing you did right it's like right you go in the right. room it's like i did x x was wrong and i will admit yeah, and, that, and that yeah. if they don't know if they think that you did y wrong and you say i did x wrong that's also a problem yeah <laughs> and yeah. so it, there is a there is a non-apology <laughs> apology that is yeah. that form of apology is Pretty much that. that they're more apologizing for the fact that somebody was unhappy with what they said than any belief that what they said was wrong. Yeah. Right. And there's a difference there, right? It's like as a CEO in that situation, you know, this may be just a grunt in the line. It's like you basically told your people something you probably didn't mean to communicate it that way, but you made them feel like the entire problem is on them. Yeah. You didn't mean to do that. Well, there's a way to basically be like, no, that is, I did not mean to say that. I am sorry that that's the way it came out. So just start with that. Like, it came out wrong. That's not what I mean. And <laughs> be direct. Now, I will admit, like, that there's there's plenty of room in, you know, for a little bit of, of careful phrasing. And I will admit I'm very much in the, like, blunt truth tem- tends to be the best approach kind of school. Like, you, you don't don't be rude about it. Don't be cruel, but just don't hide from the truth unless you have a really strategic reason to do so like court case kind of stuff. Right. Just, but in just general business, be, uh, be frank with people. You gain a lot of credibility when you do that. And this, this was at the end that. of the day. I, I hope that they get it figured out. Cause I want good games from these people. Well, and so the funny thing is, is CEOs, CEOs get paid the money they get really for one job. And that is there's a sword hanging over their head and every so often that sword will come down and fall on them. And they, they basically, you know, that's what they get paid. They're essentially, here's your money so that when it screws up badly enough, we're going to kick you out, put you on another board somewhere else. I, I've relative, it's relatively rare in my opinion for CEOs to make that much difference outside of a few strategic decisions. Yeah. I, I think it suggests more than anything to me that there's the company is very worried that their position is not strong and the CEO feels like he's got to address it. Yeah. And that, that well, suggests they've that... also got um, uh, that other game that they've been working on. Speaking of development, hell uh, beyond good and evil too. beyond good and evil too. how long, when was it announced? So this is an Ubisoft game. And so they're actually considering it vaporware. Like they have considered it vaporware. Like, so the sequel was teased. Oh the sequel was teased in 2008. Oh. And um, as a survivor of the Duke Nukem Forever vaporware, they got a ways to go. 
Oh, you know what's funny though? And you know what's funny? No, 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 get this, get this, get this, get this. That is true. No, no, no. I kid you not. The Wikipedia article goes like this. In 2002, two, sorry, 2022, Beyond Good and Evil 2 broke the record, I kid you not, held by Duke Nukem Forever for the longest development for a AAA title for more than 15 years. I, did, wow. I, I didn't realize they'd hit it. I, I was there for that whole Duke Nukem Forever thing. Like I said, I, I knew some people working on that project, so... It, it had a personal yeah. connection. It looks fantastic. I mean, and yeah, yeah it, it every so often that happens. Be, the problem is the sunk cost is an issue, right? It, at some point, there's just a problem with your product, and you should just call it. But then somebody has to take the fall, right? For and 15 nobody, years of development. Can, can I just <laughs> yeah. like? Can we just all appreciate though? Can we just all appreciate just being like? Oh, imagine you just being like, like you got your dream job at Ubisoft. You're like, Dad, Mom, guess what? I got a job at Ubisoft. I'm going to go work for them. Oh, honey, that's great. And then you like start your first day and it's like, what's the project? And I was like, oh, it's this title we've been working on since before you were born. <laughs> and I'd be like, welcome to, welcome to hell. Welcome to hell. <laughs> welcome to the reality, right? Yeah. It's, it, working yep. for game companies is a lot of people's dream project. And we've talked about it before. I'm like, no, it, it's, really not a good job <laughs> you know what funny is if they release beyond and good evil beyond good and evil for like the ps4 <laughs> and the wii <laughs> they're like that's well, actually all we developed it for <laughs> it in all fairness duke nukem forever did actually come out i mean i've yeah, so, yeah. eventually it did it it, it yeah. really did i don't well, i've never known anybody who played it but <laughs> yeah well speaking of uh <laughs> things going <laughs> things going wrong <laughs> Go, going wrong <laughs> um speaking so, of vaporware uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of vaporware <laughs> excellent transition <laughs> thanks they've been working on it um so for those that don't know um there's <laughs> this game called the day before um and <laughs> You can't write this stuff up. But essentially what uh, a lot of people have been uh, up in arms about. So the, for those that don't know what the context is, is the day before. Um, it's sort of a, a zombie survival game a la Daisy, um, made by a company by the name uh, Fantastic. And uh, what happened essentially was Fantastic... <sighs> They don't have like a super duper good track record. Uh, they worked on uh, a survival game. They worked on a few other games, and every game has kind of been like either ripoffs or they just abandoned the game as a whole. So that survival game that did fairly okay, they actually sold to their publisher. Um, then they made this alien survival game, but it was actually Zombie Panic Source. So for those that don't know Zombie Panic Source, which is a childhood memory of mine. Um, they actually just mimicked that. It was actually, you should go look at, like, go look at that alien game that Fantastic made and then go look at Zombie Panic Source and you'll be like, oh, it's the exact same yeah. game. You're like, yes, it is. Which I'm like, I'm not complaining. I'm like, I loved Zombie Panic Source. But then there, they worked on Prop Night, which are Prop Hunts, no, Prop Night, which is like a Dead by Daylight um, Prop Hunt game. And, and so that's not really new, but I mean, they're iterating on the concept or what have you not. And now they're like, we are gonna, like, they go for, and, and, and they, they, they really, it, there's been bugs in that game. And now they're working on this almost what we would consider to be like, uh, like, like quadruple a 
title with like division level graphics and all these promises about being this like MMO, what have you not. And it's kind of, it's been delayed. It's been delayed. It's been delayed. And so, which, in- which let's be clear, the, the vision they have painted for it is actually something that people want. Oh, 100%. Well, that's, uh, highly, you know highly sought after. And that's the thing about marketing, right? And, and that's always the, I think that's the problem. That's the first problem with any sort of marketing case is that like somebody makes a business or somebody makes some sort of concept and, and puts money, you know, you were talking about it earlier, Lex, about sunk cost fallacy. Somebody puts some money behind something and then they find out that there was no, there was no, they thought in their head there was demand for this product, but there was no product. And so whenever I'm talking to people that's about marketing. Common, that's very common business failure. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking to people about marketing, I always say first step is, is there demand for your product, right? Go to your market and figure out if there was, right? And so the thing is, is it's been delayed. But the big thing, what's the real controversy here and what really is so, so interesting is um, a YouTuber that I really enjoy. And this is this is my own personal opinion. Um, is uh, Force Gaming. He, he does some, he does some, some videos along this kind of curve. And um, he pointed out some really, really interesting things about the gameplay, the gameplay trailer footage that they showed. And essentially, many people believe that this game isn't real, like that this game just simply does not exist, actually. And everything that was shown on this gameplay trailer was rendered. And I mean, this isn't unheard of in the industry for video game developers to show rendered footage. I mean, we see it all the time. But I mean... To say it's gameplay, we really couldn't say that because the thing is they were talking about how the camera was too smooth and like like nobody yep. when you, you don't you don't like move the camera that's smooth, like you jit and jot around as you're moving the gun. But the other thing that that was kind of weird that Force Gaming kind of said was that the and I don't understand exactly why this is the case, but it sounds like it's the case, is that the muzzle flashes that the gun was firing weren't real. That they were actually like like some people claim that they were like PNG images that they were using. And I'm like, why? For one, Yeah. For one frame. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, okay, fair enough. So, th- so they're talking about this game isn't real. This game isn't real. And hey, so you know, there's been, that's, that's not a saying it's not real. Like that kind of stuff is done by like movies. Yes. It is. Well, will do that. And, it's a trick. Well, and here's the thing is, uh, it's just, it's like, it's like everything is, done in the min- most minimal quality possible so it doesn't I, even meet like bo- bare bottom of modern standards and the game was supposed to come out in march so i i have a theory for you does i want to run a bike yeah so this to me because i looked at the story and i looked at the details so this has the feeling of essentially a studio that doesn't really have the full talent that they imagine they're going to have that set a goal, you know, they, they could start with some nice tools and some basic engine things. And then essentially they committed to and created an idea that's simply beyond the ability of their staff to deliver, which is yeah. a kind of failure. It's it's not a common failure, but it is a type of failure mode. And then now they've got a problem. So everything they're doing right now sounds to me. So I've, you know, I've dealt with some scam artists. People have heard me talk about that before. This seems like the kind of thing you start doing when you've got a problem, you, you're not going to be able to deliver. And I suspect they probably started with, because they're a game company, they've produced other games. So I don't think they're they're not entirely a fly-by-night operation that just 
taking your money. They started with an idea. They probably got backing for the idea. They got money yep. for the, they got resources, time, teams, all that. They got to some point in the project and started realizing now we got a problem. And so now they have to try the various little uh, BS tricks to explain their problem. They can't admit that they've got a problem, probably because then they'd have to go to somebody and admit to a problem, probably take a loss, probably close the shop. Like it, it's looking at fairly serious consequences to the developers. And instead of doing the smart thing, which is just calling it a day now, admitting failure, they're hoping they can play the old game that a lot of people that get caught in the situations, which is they're going to go to Vegas and you know they're going to put it all on black and hope they get lucky and somehow magically get the thing that they can't, they can't do today, but somehow they're going to find a way in the next however long to deliver. And that when they deliver, they're going to yeah. be able to sort of excuse all of the delays and everybody's going to forgive them. And so they're coming well, up with BS excuses. You, you look at their history as a company and the games that they've released. They have released very, very, very buggy games. Okay. Um, and so like they don't have they have a track record of not finishing, being able to finish and complete to a quality level that feels playable a lot of times. Yeah, and um, and so I think I think. I think you're absolutely right that they just don't because I think there's something real. Yeah, like, I, I the, doubt there's I, nothing. Like, yeah, I doubt there's nothing. I think there's something real there. I do believe, however, that it's been highly, um, highly carefully crafted to work for that one video footage that we have so far, maybe modified from, you know, what the actual gameplay is like with software um, to, and with the idea of this is what we're going for. So I'll give you an example of this kind of thing. You'll, you'll laugh a little bit. I, I, I had to deal with a scammer one time who was going to send a friend a thousand dollars, but he didn't have a thousand dollars. So what does he do? He writes a hundred dollars on the check and then claims when he got it, that that extra zero yep. was just accidentally not added. Right. It's like you kind of put a code on it. You create that little, the fake is the wrong word. Create the thing you can yeah. make that's not really a playable game, but you can kind of get there with the tools and technology you have and then paint it and make it look like it really can run. And behind the scenes, you got people are actually, you know, it's one of those things, the car doesn't run behind it. There are people pushing it to make it look like it's going, right? It's, yeah. it's that And then meanwhile, in between times, your, your dev team is like going full steam, trying to figure out how to actually make something yeah, that you try, can... Trying to solve it, yeah. Solve it, yeah. And, and hoping I'm, that somehow they're going to get there through some magic that they haven't figured out how to do yet. Yeah. And then meantime, they're trying to delay this by claiming um, trademark problems, which... Can I say you, their excuses are as pathetic <laughs> as they oh, oh my gosh. You well, don't. But there's just been immense pre There's been so much pressure by the gaming community because that was it. Like they were like, so there's actually, I, found, I didn't find exactly the post. I was looking for that post earlier, but there was a screenshot essentially on the Discord of the day before saying that, um, and, and the kind of the thing was they're like, we're pleased to inform you that the wait regarding our game release is coming to an end after blah, 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 blah. We have received approval to share information you have been eagerly anticipating. This month, January, we will be releasing 
raw gameplay footage this month. So this is January that this is happening. And then it just so happens that this announcement, this Twitter announcement saying, oh, we've had this trademark issue happen January 24th. So my theory like, is they have that they that the timing they have an actual trademark issue. Like if you follow sure. yeah. uh, Force Gaming, yeah. like they have that. Yeah, that's a very convenient excuse. I'm fairly sure that they're like, what excuse can we come up with? And they're, <laughs> they, they're racking their brain and they're like, oh, we've got a trademark issue. Well, that involves lawyers, and when people involve lawyers, we can't talk about it. So we're gonna call, we're gonna claim it's a copyright issue, and then they get called on that because it's a really weak excuse, and they're like, oh, we really meant it, which you know. They've destroyed their credibility at the very minimum, right? Yeah. This, this is clearly not a credible set of expectations or, or you know, statements. I will say this: that this is one of those cases where what they're saying, if someone really wants to believe, this kind of thing gives them the excuses to believe. Is someone who doesn't care about the game at all and was completely unimpressed when I looked at it. Once again, I mean, I, I see these shooter games and I'm like, tell me what you haven't already shown me. Like, what <laughs> is going to be better than this game? Than like. Uh, What's the what's the other one? Um, Left for Dead. Daisy. Like, well, no, from its older game. Like I've I played Left for Dead at a good time. It's like, what's this going to change from that? Now, now I'll admit I often play games which are derivative of other games, but I looked at this one and I'm like, other than the fact that it's some sort of post-apocalyptic zombie thing, like, what is it about this game that's interesting or different? And I couldn't see that from the trailer. Now, some people may have felt that like, oh, this is a big big thing. Uh, but to me, well, I, I think, think I think most of the people who feel it's a big thing are not drawing that conclusion from the trailer, but from the hype before that came. Before. Yeah, but, but that's just ignore hype. That's always. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But oh, I think I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think this is totally <laughs> a situation of the th the timing of this was convenient that they have a trademark issue, because if you have a trademark issue, you don't say, oh, we're going to delay till November 10th or whatever uh you say oh we have a trademark issue we are working with the lawyers to figure it out we're working on removing the name redoing the gameplay footage with the name removed in the meantime well like, that's just yeah, that's I, like that is that is how simple it could have been like that's how simple yeah. of an announcement it could have been it's like hey we're dealing with this trailer we know you want to see gameplay footage uh we're going to edit out the name and we're going to call the game something different or work out the trademark issue. The that's, game will be delayed. Was, Sorry, Lex. That's why it's such a bad excuse. Like, no. You, yeah. It takes you three seconds to come up with an alternative, right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, I just look at it as I suspect if this follows a normal pattern, they've got some gameplay footage. It's not to the quality they want. They're, <laughs> yep. strugg they're struggling to get it better. There's probably been hope and they've been living on hope and dreams and not getting enough sleep at night working on this thing. Now, of course, there is some possibility is just, this is all just vaporware scam. It's not unheard of, but it's really common in the situation. For I this would doubt just, if it was, but yeah, if they had not made other games before, I might agree. But they they clearly make games. There's people that do this, right. the <laughs> real employees that really do things. Wait, this isn't a dream and, world. This isn't a dream world scenario. Well, that's the thing, right? Dream world is is a totally different thing. But when you have people that have produced something in the past and they've tried to make a qualitative jump, and they've got excited about that qualitative jump and they just can't quite get there, that's pretty that's pretty normal. Like that's that's really not you know, that hard. A lot of people just forget that going from good to great can be very expensive, right? And, and 
I also think that they, because they've been criticized in the past for how they, they use a lot of volunteer work for development. Oh, can I actually speak to that? So, yeah, go ahead. So, okay. So they're talking about like volunteers and all. Here's the thing. Community managers, here's how I see it. Like, like, like a community manager could be a volunteer, right? That That's totally possible. Right. But I think that that thing that they're talking about is sort of more of a... Like you guys, have, you I know you guys have dealt with it in your companies and stuff like that, like HR spin. Now here's well, what gets but, weird though, is they do have that Christmas video. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was like, like come work at Fant. It like, 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 oh my goodness, what a terrible video. It was like, come work at Fantastic. Like Fantastic's great. And then they showed that like guy getting evicted from his apartment in the video. I was like, it's like, <laughs> what is this? What? What is what? this? Yeah. So I've seen and, my share of sad videos, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the weird thing too, the, here was the wacky thing about the whole shebang. And I, I know that I think Lex and me, you and me chatted about this um, or Des, I forget. But they showed like, um, they're like, yeah, we're we're hard at work with the game. Like we're hard at work with the game or whatever. Like, first of all, the ad, the it was an ad. It wasn't actually a come work ad, fantastic yeah. thing. It was an ad for their app that they're working on. And there's, so the one video that there was a woman working on like some sort of model, like, and there was like there was a watermark for like uh like a woman at work stock footage or whatever that was the that was the one thing so they couldn't even get that and then the other one was like i think like there somebody um and he's working on the game or he had gameplay footage on his computer first of all it's really easy like first of all it's really easy to get wrong a green screen screen like on a, on a screen cuz right. like you just put a green screen there and then you put on footage um, but if you don't know how to like get the lighting proper and get all of this jazz, it's very easy to not make look good. And so it didn't look good, first of all. But even what's worse is he's not using his mouse and his hand is not on the WAS keys. It's on like the ZXC alt control spacebar keys. Yep. I'm like, yep. buddy, at least look like you're playing <laughs> the game. Like at least look like yep. you're doing something. <laughs> but it seems like a frightened company. That That's what I see here. This This is the fear reaction. I've got a problem. I will tell. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like yeah, time will tell. Yeah, and I agree because the problem with this kind of delaying tactic, and I've seen this with scams over and over again, you can only delay this so long, mm-hmm. and then you get in even more trouble later because instead of just hitting that point where you're like, I can't make this work, I need to call it a day. Now you've got deliberate deception. In fact, that's the real danger they're facing. And, and it's just the fact that if they're starting to be dis- deliberately deceptive, they could be criminally deceptive. And, and that's a risk. I'm not saying they are. But once you sort of start down this path, people that get scared badly enough and start saying things and start sending out lies, lies that are paper thin and don't look very convincing. And then essentially they're going to get called on it because at some point, if they don't push that game footage out, and I've seen a hundred, you know, not a hundred of these, but at least five or 10 cases where a company has finally been forced to do this by law, essentially. And what they produce is little better than the kind of basic stuff that three people with a simple set of tools do. Like yeah. that, there, there is this weird thing, and I do not have this ability, but an artist has the ability to take those basic pieces and turn them into the beautiful things. And it takes an artist, a coding artist who understands how to optimize. It's like, that's the thing about the Factorio guys. Like if... I love Factorio, but the thing I'm most impressed with 
is that they know how to extract every little bit of processing power. And that's what they really, really are good at. Like they've sat down and gone, how can we make it so that you can scale this thing to enormous sizes and still run? That takes some skill. And I think they just, the problem is if they don't have those things, they're gonna get caught. They, they should just call it a day now if they're not gonna be able to do it. Otherwise it's gonna get really bad for them. Good news is, is it will be there when they fail and we'll have another topic. But we'll have another topic. <laughs> it's like, see, see you guys in November. <laughs> yes, they, I, mean, I think the odds of success at this point are very low. Yeah. Very well, it's going to be, yeah. I, I was almost tempted to delay this topic until we do, and maybe we will talk about this topic again in, in February or March when they release the game. Maybe this will be just a quick little appetizer. Uh, well, you're topic assuming about the that they'll footage. be able to release it. I, yeah. I don't think you can. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, exactly. you, should not, you should not count. I mean, like I said, I've been. And don't the count them out yet. Thing. That they don't release anything. <laughs> but if they get to a certain point and they haven't really gotten past the problems that they're dealing with now, the situation's not improved. Yeah, and they might end up in the same situation. Hey, so. Let's just state clearly that the problem with the gameplay footage is not the trademark. Yeah, it well, is whatever is they're unable to accomplish without the trademark. Well, it's funny too but, because somebody was like on Twitter was like. Guys, what is your gameplay footage? Is it just going to be the day before logo bouncing off the screen like the DVD logo you once had? <laughs> just the day before bouncing on a screen. Oh, there goes our entire video. Oh, it's going to the corner, guys. It's going to the corner. It's going to make it. Well, Can we go this direction for a second? Because we have seen this, uh, you know, all speculation here. But I mean, you know, a game like Anthem. Do you guys remember? I don't know if you guys followed the saga, the development saga behind Anthem. Did either of you follow that? I no, remember I it was a bad release, but I don't. It wasn't no. There for so like here's months. this. Here's the, like it's a five second story. Kid you not? It goes something like this: the day the game was announced, like that they showed like a rendered gameplay trailer, like like the, they showed like what the gameplay was going to look like and all this jazz. Was the day the devs found out what game they were they were about to build. Yeah, that's happened. Oh, so yeah, that's not see, not, this, not awesome. But this is too small a shop for that. I this yeah. this shop seems really small. They're they don't look like a large scale developer with a large budget. They're the way they present that's what, themselves, that's actually, the way they describe themselves. Well, that's no Lex. You're bang on. No, you're you like first of all, when I first saw the gameplay fo- the gameplay footage and I saw the trailers, I was like. This looks triple A. I'm like, who's who's doing this? And then it, like there was this cognitive dissonance where I was like, okay, we have an I... indie studio with a triple A game. How the heck is this supposed to work? Like the, the the balance of scales is not there. It really isn't. I I I actually had that same thought. Like I I don't know how they have enough people to do this. Like I don't actually have real numbers for how many employees they have and how many developers they have, but I, Fantastic looks tiny to me, and they yeah. have multiple development projects Do, going. Do we at know once. if this was done on like Kickstarter? Like, if no, it's, no, no money, if, no money has been exchanged because because yeah, if you do Kickstarter, you can get in this weird legal stuff. But well, they've gotten funded by something. Yeah, like somebody, I mean, they have other there. they have other games, and I mean, oh, yeah. LinkedIn, what it's fifty. According to LinkedIn, there are 23 on LinkedIn, and the company size is 51 to 200 employees, which is not a triple A game size company. 
small shop. Especially if you have you have they have other games that they're supporting. They have this other project productivity app that they're building. And I mean that's how they can be funded. I mean I think of a few other examples such as um, Simulogics. Like I'm I'm pretty sure like like and other things that you take you take your technology, your software, your code, and sell it to people, being like, hey, we developed this thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, contract work like that. That's how a lot of like small indie game studios actually begin is they do contract work for AAAs and then they're like, okay, we have enough money now. Now we want to do the passion project we've always wanted to do. Right. I will make my last statement on this game to be the day before is an open world MMO survival set in deadly post pandemic America, an open world MMO survival yeah, it's game. All- takes more than 200 people to build yeah i mean they, they it takes, so it takes at least 201 <laughs> 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 i've done the math does any uh any final comments uh lex about this no i, I just think it's it, look there's a long history of vaporware this is not the first time this has happened it won't be the last in, in a sense that i think the biggest problem with covering this topic later is by the time we get to it no it'll care There'll be another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My final topic or point to be made probably would be, I mean, they could have just, you know, I'm looking forward to Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> they could just make Plants vs. Zombies, and that would be great. But they decided to I have to a recommendation for you, Seabear. It was a very that? simple recommendation. That? Take your hand. Put it on your wallet. <laughs> well, and it's funny because they, like, the, they have no, they have no, um, there's been no money, right, exchanged by anybody. And so, yeah, I mean, people are like, it's a scam. I'm like, well, it's not a scam. It's not a scam. But if, it's if they're definitely. Running, if they're running a scam. They're running it on their, their found, the people that get <laughs> On somebody else. Yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. on the players. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, thank you everyone for uh, listening to our esoteric dive into the world of gaming this week. Uh, obviously, you've been listening to the uh, pair. The pair. Yep. The pair. Yeah, that's who it is. The pair, uh, the Dez, and the Lex. And if you do have any feedback or would like to recommend a topic for one of us to discuss in the future, you can head over to our Discord, which will be in a link in the description of this podcast. Um, if you would like to discuss what we discussed this week, uh, you can actually head over to our water cooler. We have done a pre- I would say we've done a pretty good job of, of making that making that more buzzing and a lot more uh, and and a lot more conversation there. And we're going to try our best uh, even further. Uh, and that's where all that exposition happens. So we're going to be talking about future topics in in that channel, and you guys will get a sneak peek as to what we're what's going on in our brains. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed our podcast, please make sure to leave a five star review on Spotify. Spotify, or even better yet, write a review on iTunes, or even better yet, share this podcast with your friends, your dentist, your pizza guy, your mom, whoever you want to share it with, please do. Um, And as Lex said, once again, thank you, everyone. And remember, take your hand, grip it firmly around your wallet, and hold on tight. Hold on tight. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye.